Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 17 recap, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. The Colts are playoff bound, baby, and this won't be the most positive podcast. We're going to get into the positives and negatives of the Colts-Jags Week 17 game, and there were a lot of negatives, but at the end of the day, when you sit back, when you kick your feet up, we made the playoffs, and there were a lot of critics, a lot of haters in the offseason. Oh, Phillip Rivers is washed. He's done. Why are you giving up a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner? I can't believe Andrew Luck retired. What a terrible franchise. Well, here we are, and we're sitting at 11-5. We're in the playoffs. Nobody thought we would be here. Nobody thought that Phillip Rivers and this Colts team could make the postseason. And after 16 games, sitting at 11-5, and we'll be going to Buffalo next week to play the Buffalo Bills. So just a great year all together. We had our ups. We had our downs. We had COVID. We had no preseason. So it was a crazy year. It was a crazy last couple weeks, blowing the game against the Steelers, having the Raiders blow that game against the Dolphins, and then waking up this morning not knowing what our game at 425 would mean, not knowing if we would get the help we needed at 1 o'clock or the help we needed from the Texans to win the AFC South if the Texans could have upset the Titans. And we came into this day not controlling our own destiny, not being able to have a win-and-in situation but going into 425, we kicked off controlling our own destiny, which is ultimately what anybody could ever ask for. You want to control your own destiny. Week one, every team controls their own destiny. Week eight, half the teams control their own destiny. Week 16, 17, only a select few lucky teams get to control win and in scenarios. We had one of those today at 425. Thanks to the Buffalo Bills, who ironically we have to go play next week. So thank you, Bills. I was a Josh Allen fan today. I was a Buffalo Bills fan from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Not going to be the case on Saturday at 1 o'clock when we have this quick turnaround and we have to play the Buffalo Bills Saturday afternoon in Buffalo. But a big thank you, a big shout-out to the Bills letting us into the playoffs, and now we're going to go see them next week. But it was crazy because we wake up this morning, we don't know our feet. We go into 1 o'clock. We have the three games. We're rooting for the Bengals, who we knew never had a chance against the Ravens. We were rooting for the Steelers, who played the Browns pretty tight. They lose by two points. And we were rooting for the Bills to beat the Dolphins. And we also just had a feeling that the Bills would eventually pull their starters, which they did. And I was just hoping, get us a lead. Get us a 14-3 lead. Get us a 21-3 lead. Get us a 28-3 lead. Just so... The backups could hold serve. I wanted an opportunity for the backups to milk clock and hold serve in the second half against Miami. They're trailing three zip. Allen looks awful. They just are totally discombobulated. And I'm thinking, oh, God, they're not going to be able to win this game because not because, you know, if they played the whole game, of course they would win. But I was thinking they're going to pull their starters and the backups aren't going to be able to come from behind and win. And then all of a sudden, boom, touchdown, boom, touchdown, boom, touch. They come in and they just start going bombs away with Josh Allen. They keep him in pretty much the entire first half. He might have missed that final series. It might have just been a runner and kneel down. And they go into the half with a 28-6 lead. So I'm thinking the backups could hold serve with Matt Barkley in the second half because this lead is so great. There's no Fitzmagic to come in. And to help Miami come from behind, Tua ends up throwing a pick six, and they go on to win 56-26. to They win that game by 30 points. And that was a game where Miami was four-and-a-half-point dogs earlier in the week. They closed one-point favorite. So Vegas definitely saw Miami pulling this game out. And if they did, nothing else went in the Colts' direction. But we only needed one of four games. Everybody was saying this week, the Colts need so much help. And I was saying they don't need a lot of help. They have a lot of options, but it's not like we need to go two out of four or three out of four or even one out of one where you just need help, but you only have one chance. We had four chances and we only needed one game. So 25% help 
got us into the playoffs with also taking care of business against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's what happens. We almost get help from the Texans, which would have given us the AFC South division crown, but they came up a little bit short. They have a game tying field goal with about 20 seconds left. Terrible coverage, no safety help over the top. And you have the Titans hit, I think Tannehill hit like a 50 yard bomb and that put them in field goal range. And they kick a walk off game winning 37 yard field goal, which banked in off the upright. So congratulations to the Titans. They win the AFC South. The Colts lock up a wild card spot. It would have been great to win the AFC South. But hopefully we see them down the road. We go back to Nashville where we won earlier this season and we get another crack at the Tennessee Titans. But, man, it's been a crazy season and it was a crazy finish to the regular season today. We might not have gotten every outcome we wanted. I would have loved to have won the division. But beggars can't be choosers. We wake up this morning needing a little bit of help. We get a little bit of help from Buffalo. We win the division, and now we'll be heading to Buffalo on Saturday afternoon to take on the Buffalo Bills, the team that led us into the playoffs with a win this afternoon against the Miami Dolphins. So a crazy season and a crazy finish to the regular season as the Colts live to play another week. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was uh, it was a crazy year all around, just with everything going on and, and the ups and downs that you go through in a football season, plus the out you know the outside surroundings of what's going on in the world it was just a crazy season I'll be honest after the Jacksonville game in week one I didn't feel great about our chances the rest of the year but it was just one game and the Colts persevered they found a way you know and they did that today they didn't play their best game but they found a way to win and at the beginning of the year you just want to have a chance to be playing meaningful football, and then you want to get into the playoffs and get into the tournament. And the Colts did that. And a lot of things have gone against them this year. We've talked about the refs at nauseum, a lot of bad calls. But the Colts have overcome all that adversity, and, and, and now they're in the playoffs with a chance to do some damage. So at the beginning of the year, you know, if you told me 11-5, and five, I would have taken that. I would have thought that probably would have won the division. Uh, obviously it didn't, but it got us into the playoffs. And luckily for us, this is the first year of the seventh seed where we'd be sitting home. So as, as unlucky as I thought the Colts have been all year in a lot of ways, they were very lucky that there, there is a seventh seed this year because if there wasn't, we would be sitting home, sitting home along with the Dolphins. So, you know, a lot of things could have went other ways this year. But at the end of the day, we needed one of those four teams to win. And the Bills really did us a solid and did Frank Rake a solid. They, uh, they came out and just absolutely – mashed the Dolphins. I mean, that was brutal. I'm glad they, I'm glad they did it, but I'm just, I mean, it was, must've been rough to be a Dolphin fan today. But uh, as far as the Colts go, as soon as they saw that they should, you know, they, they, they went out there, they did what they had to do and they got the win. And that's at the end of the day, we're going to talk a lot about the game and not all of it's going to be pretty, but they got the win. And that's really all that matters. Now you go into a whole new season. It's the second season. This is where I think Phillip Rivers experience can really help uh, the Colts, uh, because he's seen it all. So uh, I would expect a much better performance from the Colts in the you know going into next week. I think they're going to play a much better game, and they're going to have to because if they play like they did last the last six quarters, well, not six, I'd say the last what two quarters and, and the last two this two last two second halves. If they play like that in Buffalo, the game's not going to be close. So they're going to have to put it together. But I think they'll play they'll play a lot better next week. Yeah, and I don't want to get into the Colts-Bills matchup yet, but you can't play the way they've been playing in the second half the last three-plus weeks and expect to go into Buffalo and beat them based on one half of football. The offense is going to have to play 60 minutes. The defense is going to have to play 60 minutes. Blankenship's going to have to make his kicks. Today was not pretty, but we got the job done. We did enough. We snuck by, and now we'll go into next week 0-0. The Colts are 0-0. It doesn't matter that they won 11 games. The Bills are 0-0. It doesn't matter they're a two-seed other than being home next week. It doesn't matter they won 13 games. It doesn't matter what Josh Allen's numbers are. None of that matters. It's going to be a new week. It's going to be a 0-0 game. Clean slates, clean records, clean everything. It doesn't matter that this is the first ever seven seed. We are the seven seed. We're in the playoffs. And as unlucky as we've been with refs and calls and injuries throughout this season and throughout the past couple seasons, we're the first ever AFC seven seed. And that's pretty lucky because we could easily be sitting at home if you take this year's standings and apply it to any of the last couple of years, we wouldn't have made the playoffs. Because even though 11-5 and normally gets you in, this year with a six-team 
12-team league-wide format, we wouldn't have made the playoffs. So we have to be grateful for that, and we are in. And when you look at this game, was it pretty the whole time? No. I mean, there were some really good things. There were some really great things when you look at Jonathan Taylor and the game he had, and then there were some not-so-great things with the way we coached this game, especially in the second half on both sides of the ball, Eberflus and Reich, and Reich continuing to abandon the run later in the game and throwing in the Jacoby package. We have a chance to go up 27-7 to in the third quarter, and we run that Jacoby package, and it turns into just a free-fall spiral for this Colts offense. We end up going 13 possessions the last three weeks in the second half before a touchdown, and that touchdown comes, surprise, surprise, when you hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor, and he eventually breaks one to the house. And when you have a running back who's run for, at that point, damn near 200 yards, it makes a lot of sense to me to pound him into submission because they're not going to be able to stop it. And stopping it once or twice does not mean they stopped it. Loading the box does not mean they stopped it. When they stop it, three times in a row, three possessions in a row, then they've stopped it. But they never did that. And I had somebody on Twitter to me say, because they ran it three times, they punted. The next possession, they threw three times, and they punted. And I complained when they threw three times. And somebody said, well, why didn't you complain last time? And the guy was like, well, he just wants something to blame. And I said, no, I don't want anything to blame. I wasn't even mad when we ran it three times and we punted. Because why are we winning right now? Why did we go up 20-zip? We went up big because they couldn't stop the run in the first half. That's why Jonathan Taylor had 100 yards after the first quarter. That's why he had 150 at halftime. And that's why he had about 190 after the first drive of the second half and finished with 250 because they couldn't stop the run. So if they can't stop the run, you keep running the ball. And stopping at one possession does not mean they stopped the run. So congratulations to Jonathan Taylor, who really puts his name up there with the greats. 30 carries, 253 yards, averaging 8.4 yards per carry and two touchdowns. So now he becomes just the third ever Colts running back to rush for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie, along with Edron James, who's in the Hall of Fame, and Marshall Falk, who's in the Hall of Fame. Falk did it in 94, Edge did it in 99, and now in 2020, as we go into 2021, Jonathan Taylor the first running back since 1999 with Edron James. And he just had, Jason, one of the great, great games you will ever see, not just from a rookie running back, but a running back, period. And he really carried the Colts to victory today, 28-14, rushing for over 250 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Yeah, no question. He was outstanding. It's probably one of the best performances from a running back that I've seen. I mean, he he broke long runs. He got extra yards. He, you know, he shook guys in the hole. You know, he cut back, found holes. I mean, he was, he was outstanding. It's one of the, legitimately one of the. It might be the best performance from a running back I've seen, as far as yardage and just. I mean, he's really. They leaned on him like they had. They really had nothing else going. So he was. I mean, he was what we thought he could be, and he was. He was the difference in the game for sure. He was. Dominant. Uh, I thought the offensive line really dominated the line of scrimmage. You got to give those guys a lot of credit. But yeah, he was outstanding. Uh, they couldn't stop him. I mean, they they really could not stop him. I I don't know what Reich was doing when he got away from from running the ball and the Jacoby thing. I mean, it's just it's like we always say. He just cannot stop himself from trying to do something else opposite of what's been working. He just can't. He just can't stop himself. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is, but I mean, he just. I literally would have run the ball fifty times in this game. I would have given Hines more carries because they couldn't stop it. And so our run game was dominant. It's really and it's great that I mean it's really great to see that because for us to go where we want to go in the playoffs to have any chance to make noise, we're going to have to lean on teams with our running game. We're not going to beat teams throwing the ball for for the most part. We're going to beat teams by keeping our defense off the field, keeping them fresh, and running the ball. So in that way, today was a good warm-up for the playoff game, but the offense has got to be – there can't be, you know, four, five, three and outs in a row. You know, they, they just cannot have that. I mean, they're going against a god-awful defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and they – I mean, it wasn't until late in the game that they, they got a touchdown in the second half. So they've got to get better. But as far as Jonathan Taylor goes, you can't ask for anything more. The kid was absolutely electric today, you know, breaking long plays, running between the tackles, getting every damn yard he could possibly get 
holding on to the football, no fumbles, just an outstanding performance by him. And I'm not sure we win if he's not in the game. So outstanding job by Jonathan Taylor and an outstanding job by, by our offensive line blocking for him. But I thought Rivers had a bad game, but I thought part of that was Valdir was bad. I didn't think Valdir looked very good at left tackle. He was getting a lot of pressure from that side. Chason was really giving us problems as far as in the passing game, which is not a good sign. They're going to have to help him or we're going to have to find another. I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, I thought he, I thought Valdir was good in the run game. I thought he was really good in the run game, but he's not very good. Uh, he wasn't very good. And that's to be expected in the pass game because he hasn't played. The Colts are going to have to figure something out. I didn't like the fact that we didn't, we didn't throw anything to Moali Cox or Trey Burton. Sometimes I wonder what Frank is trying to get accomplished. And this is another one of those games that we always talk about where he scripts the beginning of the game, everything is great, and we got a 20 nothing lead, and then he, it's like he takes a vacation. And in this league, you can't take a vacation. And so very disappointed in his inability to, when we have a lead, put a team away. Like, he's not good at that. And you would think he would be. And it's funny, I was talking about this with somebody recently. When he had Jacoby, he actually, I thought, was much better because he knew he was deficient at quarterback. Now that he has a quarterback that's not super deficient, I mean, he calls the game totally different. And it's not, and it's putting us in bad positions. You need to just stick with what works. And he did that last year for the most part. We just didn't have a very good quarterback. Now we have a, a, our quarterback is fine. He's not great, but he's he's not bad. He's fine, and and he just gets away from what's working, and it's very very frustrating. He did it again today. There's no way this game should have been close. The Jacoby series was just an absolute disaster. I don't know what that was about. What he was thinking. Yeah. It, well, he, it just absolutely our momentum was gone after that. It was gone. gone. And you know what's so frustrating about it, Jason? That was a scripted series. That's the first series coming out to half. And he's been scripting the first drive of the second half. So somewhere he actually sat down and thought it was a good conscious decision. Now, the plays were actually good because if Jacoby makes the right read, you might see Taylor bust one to the house. And he actually almost did bust one to the house. But then after that, there was two bad reads in a row by Jacoby. And what's so concerning about that is it's not necessarily like even when Reich, Reich does this a lot where the play call will actually be the right call and either the personnel will be wrong or whatever. And in this case, running these packages with Jacoby, could you run them with Rivers? No, of course not, because Rivers doesn't have, you know, the athleticism or the ability, whatever. But when you're putting a package like this in, you have to know your personnel. You have to know if Jacoby is capable or not of making the read and making the play. And if he's not, then why are you bringing your backup quarterback into the game and why are you running this play or this set of plays in this set of circumstances? Because this wasn't even just, okay, let's bring him in and run a play. This was an entire set. You have Rivers and you have the offense going down the field. Rivers looked fine in the first half. He was good in the first half. And after that drive, he never got it together, minus one or two plays. He made one nice throw or two nice throws to Pittman late in the game. But he kind of lost whatever momentum he had. And you could say the same thing a couple weeks ago when we threw with Jacoby on first and ten. Bringing Jacoby in on third and one, fourth and one is fine because that's a play where you bring him in, it's one play, boom, you get Rivers back out there. If anything, you're probably extending and prolonging a drive. But... When you have a first down, now you bring Jacoby into a game and you have him run three plays and you punt, or you have him come into a game on first and 10 and throw, and now all of a sudden you bring Rivers back in in second and 10, you're stalling his momentum and you're taking him out of the flow of the game. And that can't happen next week against Buffalo because Buffalo is too good. They're going to put up points. You have to match those points. Despite what our defense does, they're going to score because they're just too talented. Allen's too good. They have too many playmakers. Diggs, so you're going to have to score with them if you want to beat them, kind of like the Green Bay game. And you can't have any Jacoby packages. In a game where you might need to score 28, 30 points, you can't. Do that. You just can't do it with your backup quarterback. And it's not always that the play is wrong. It's that it's his 
faith and confidence in a player who's not capable of getting the job done. And that's something he has to figure out. And it's super concerning that this was the first drive of the third quarter, which was probably scripted. Like this was a conscious decision that he sat down and thought about before the game at halftime and thought it was going to be a good idea. And it's not, again, it's not even that the plays were bad because they could have worked. But you got to know your personnel. Just like last year, Jason, you said last year he didn't really have this problem because he knew who he had at quarterback. Well, I think you could actually make the argument, and it's funny because this year we just won 11 games. This is actually the best record we've had under Frank Reich. Last year was the worst, and then Andrew Lux was the game worse than this year. I think you could rank the three years of Reich as a coach, 2019 his best, 2018 his second best, and then this year, 2020, his worst out of the three years, which is really, really funny that his worst record last year with his worst quarterback might have been the best coaching performance he put on display. Yeah, and the, the thing about Jacoby is he's not super athletic, and he's not a read option quarterback. No. I would almost rather, if you're going to do that, I would almost rather, do you remember, I think it was the Raider game, or what, I'm not sure what game it was, but there was a game where he brought in Hines and they ran the option with Hines. I actually would prefer that because, I actually think he has a better feel for running a read option than Jacoby does because I think Hines probably ran that in high school. Yeah. And he looked much more natural when he ran it that one time in that one game. We haven't seen it since then, but the one time he did run it, he looked extreme. I think we – I'm not sure we scored a touchdown, but I think we got a first down on the play at no, I think least. we did. I think it was a handoff to Taylor and he scored. Yeah, and so if you're going to if you're gonna do that, just put a running back in the game. Yeah, or Burton. Like, yeah, or or Burton, like it just it can't. Jacoby, it's just not his game, man. His game is literally get him one yard, lean forward, push him forward for one or two yards. I don't want him throwing. I don't want him running the read option. I mean, he ran that stupid read option and in the first game, and we lost like five yards. I mean, he's just that's not his game. So once again, it's a case of Reich not really understanding his personnel. That's not like I know Jacoby is more athletic than Rivers. But that doesn't mean that he's Lamar Jackson. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's you, You've got to understand what your personnel is capable of. Jacoby is capable of taking the snap and bullet, you know, burrowing for one or two yards. That's what he's capable of. He's not he's not ever going to run the read option and be successful at it. He just doesn't – it's not his game. So I'm not trying to harp on Reich. I mean, at the end of the day, he's done a pretty good job over his three years here. We've made the playoffs twice. And he's certainly an upgrade from Pagano, but he's not above criticism. And I don't like criticizing him so much, but, dude, we're seeing the same game over and over again. We jump out 14 nothing, 20 nothing, and then we go to sleep for quarters at a time. And that's not a recipe for winning in this league. It's certainly not a recipe for winning playoff games. So I don't know what it's going to take for him to see the light on that, you know, as far as just, like, finding an, a, a, a sweet spot where you're not running at every play and you're not throwing it at every play, but you're doing, you know, you're, you're, you're mixing it up a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I don't know what he's going to take for him, but it's, he's got to get better at it. And I am tired. Just don't take Phillip rivers out of the game when we have momentum, just let him let the guy that we're paying all the money to do his job. Let Jacoby get one yard if we need it. Otherwise let him just, just let him do his touchdown celebrations. We don't need him on the field. Yeah, and his 4th and 1, 3rd and 1 packages are great. They've actually, I think, really jump-started this offense because the offense as a whole with Rivers got off to a really slow start. Now, I think some of that was no preseason. Some of that was new quarterback, new receivers, new running backs, new offensive line. Just, you know, with that new quarterback, he has to get used to everybody. But then I also think it was the telegraph runs Early in the season, before Jonathan Taylor emerged into the back he currently is, which is a top five back in the National Football League, and I'm not caught up in the moment. I think he's that good, and I think next year he's going to go into the year as a top five running back because that's how he's played since the Green Bay game. And we weren't getting short yardage, and we were kicking a lot of field goals, and drives were getting stalled. And you have a quarterback who obviously doesn't have the ability to run or do anything in rivers, or you can't even do that QB keeper on that one-yard fall forward the way they do with Brady down in Tampa. So adding that package with Jacoby just in those short situations, I really think has helped 
this offense as a whole. But the problem is Reich wants to give him more credit than he deserves. There's a reason why we went 7-9 last year and we are 11-5 this year. And the, there's a couple of reasons. The biggest reason being the quarterback, being the switch from Jacoby to Rivers. And I think there's a little bit of guilt from Frank Reich because he loves Jacoby so much as a person or whatever that he feels the need week one against Jacksonville that first and 10 throw against, I think, the Texans, that package Ugh. he put in today where he's just trying to give Jacoby a thank you when I rather we're up 20 points. If you go down and score a touchdown there, it's 27 to 7. You score again, it's going to be 34 to 7. Then you could put Jacoby in for the entire fourth quarter. I don't care. Give him a thank you at the end of a blowout like the Jets game. Why are we biting our nails in this game at any point in time after we had a 20-point lead? And this offense, the momentum, it's like one three and out or one punt all of a sudden just puts the entire offense into a tailspin. And that's what we saw today. And you don't want to be too negative. You won the game. You doubled them up. You scored 28 points. You win 28-14. So it's not all bad. We're going to the playoffs. It's not all bad. It's just frustrating. Plus, we know what we have coming up next week. And it's just been too many weeks in a row. Except the Raider game. This happened twice against the Texans. This happened last week against Pittsburgh. The reason we needed Miami to lose today was because of what happened last week against Pittsburgh. And then today against the Jags. And the Jags are just an awful team. The Colts were actually 15.5 point favorites in this game. We only win by 14, so we don't even cover that extremely large spread laid in Vegas. But yeah, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating because we know, we know the outcome. We know the Jacoby stuff's not going to work. And on that first and 10 throw, when he rolled him out against the Texans, I had somebody arguing with me on Twitter saying, well, you can't run that with Rivers. And I said, you're right, you can't. Then don't run it. If you can't run it with your starting quarterback, then don't run it unless he gets hurt and Jacoby's your quarterback and then you want to run it because the play was good and Jacoby should have made the play. But as the coach and the play caller, you have to know who your personnel is. You have to know who's in the game. And yeah, maybe Jacoby should be able to make that throw, but you should know that he's not able to. And then I had somebody else making excuses that Jacoby hasn't had enough reps. And then I said, okay, if he hasn't had enough reps in practice, then why is he getting this rep in a game? Why are you letting him throw this pass in a game where now you bring in Phillip Rivers and you're handcuffing him to a shorter series? Because now he's coming in on second and 10. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And it's fine. We've made it through. We're 11 and five. We're going to the playoffs, but Reich is too good. This all boils down to this, Jason. Reich is too good because the good is so great that we know he's intelligent. We know he's a good coach. We know he's able to draw it up and draw up these. He draws up these great, great game plans. And he's always so well prepared. And we come out and we come out on fire every week. And to see us go into these tailspins offensively where it's almost like He's spinning the chessboard around, playing against himself. It's disheartening because he's too good for this. And this is not a Chuck Pagano situation where it's like, well, this guy's clearly in over his head. It's like this guy gets bored winning and he's like, you know what? I want to make it interesting. So I'm going to play both sides and I'm going to see how close I can win this game. That's honestly what it feels like to me. And it's not just Reich Zebraflus a little bit too because defensively, we have all this great intensity, and this is honestly a game we should have given up zero points, maybe three points, and we gave up back-to-back touchdown drives while the offense wasn't able to score. If the offense could score, it won't look as bad defensively. If the defense pitches a shutout, it won't look as bad offensively if you can maintain that 20-point lead or at least a 13-point lead, but then it gets cut to six, and all of a sudden it becomes super concerning against the Jaguars team who finishes the season 11-0 after beating only us all season in Week 1. Yeah, I mean, you, you said a lot of great stuff there. One, one major issue I'm having with, with Reich is in the beginning of the year, I mean, I just remember Mo Cox being such a big part of what we were doing and, and, our, and our tight ends really being a huge part of our offense. Do you realize Mo Cox and Trey Burton had zero catches today? Zero. Yep. And I, they're, they're, to me, our tight ends are, the, are one of the strengths of our offense. 
definitely. And, and so that, to me, is, is kind of mind-boggling. Because at the beginning of the year, that was what was working. We were going to those guys. Mo Alley was having big games and making big plays. I remember the Chicago game, he had some really big plays. Burton's been really good, really solid for us. Doyle did have three catches today, and we didn't throw it a lot, so that's that's pretty good for him. But the other two guys, I think, are more explosive, and you don't get them the ball. So, And that's not really a complaint for this game specifically. It's more of the second half of the year kind of thing. Like, we just – I think we have I think we have more talent than what we're showing on offense and I'm hoping, you know, going into the playoffs maybe, you know, he'll he'll use those guys some more because I think, you know, especially Cox is one of our more you know, he's one of the bigger mismatches we have. But as far as just, you know, right goes, the biggest issue is obviously just the personnel groupings, not playing the players' strengths, going away from what works, those things have to change. If they don't change, then he's got to give up the play calling because, and I don't mean, you know, next week, obviously, I mean, over the, over the summer, whatever, because it's just, it, it seems like it's too much for him. But as far as just this, this overall game, a little disappointing in the sense that we could have really buried them. It shouldn't have been a close game, but when the, when the chips were down, our running back took over and that's, you know, that's what won us the game. He was out. He was, he was, that was the best performance, I think, in Indianapolis Colts history from a running back, So as far as yardage goes. So he was outstanding, and, and the difference in the game. And honestly, just to go ahead and get into the defense a little, Luke, I, I actually thought the defense was really good today outside of 13 plays. The 13 in a row, those 13 completions that the guy had uh, and two touchdowns. Outside of that, we had six sacks. We, you know, we forced a fumble. It wasn't our best game, but I, I, I saw a lot of people online ripping our defense to shreds. They were on the field a lot, and I'm not making excuses. They gave up, they gave up some points they shouldn't have given up, but they bowed their they bowed their neck when they had to because our offense kept giving them the ball back, three and out, three and out, three and out, you know. And and the defense was not getting much of a break, and they just kept, you know, they just kept doing their thing. After they gave up those 14 points, they were you know, they didn't give up any more, and uh, you know, I thought outside of those two drives, it, which is hilarious because they were really great, and then he went into that soft coverage at the end of the half, and then he went in kind of the second half was the same, it seemed like to me, as the end of the first half. And then after that, he was really great again. So it's, it's, it's really weird how this team is so bipolar on both sides of the ball, but that's, that's what we've got, man. We get, we get one you know, half of greatness and one half of not greatness, and sometimes we win, and most of the time we win, but sometimes we lose. And luckily today we were playing the Jags. Otherwise, we might have lost. Yeah, and I don't want to be this negative, Jason. Like, I really am pumped we made the playoffs. I could not be more excited because waking up this morning, there was no guarantee. We needed a couple things or at least something to go our way, which it did in the Buffalo game, and then we needed to win. But when we evaluate these games, and there were so many people saying we were being too negative after the two Texans games, and we said if we play like this against the Steelers, if we play like this in the playoffs, we're going to lose. And the exact same thing happened against Pittsburgh. It almost happened today against the worst team in the National Football League. And then going into the playoffs, we have to be better. We have to be better on both sides of the ball. The defense wasn't as bad as people made it out to be, like you said, Jason, but those 13 plays were still annoying. In my opinion, they were 13 too many because you're going up against Mike Glennon. You're going up against an offense that's, what, 31st in the National Football League without their top running back and without their top wide receiver. So this really should have been an absolute suffocation game where the defense says, okay, if you're not going to score points offense, then we'll just shut them out. And the offense says, okay, defense, if you're going to give up points, we're just going to keep scoring. And we didn't have either of that. And, of course, we still win the game. We still win by 14 points. We still make the playoffs. So we should be pumped up about that. And we went into this game controlling our own destiny, which we were all super excited about because last week that's all we wanted going into this week. And then we woke up this morning without that luxury, but then we kicked off at 425 with that luxury. And there were some really good things on the defensive side of the ball, but it's almost like when you look at who you're going up against and with the standard we hold this defense and this team to, how excited could you really get? We have the six sacks. Leonard has the strip sack. We had a couple big plays later in the game to get off the field on third down. 
But at the end of the day, when you look at this offense and you look at this defense, it should all be expected. So I'm not going to praise a defense for making a couple stops and getting a couple sacks and forcing one turnover against the worst offense or one of the worst offenses in the National Football League. And when we do these reviews, we A, speak from the heart. So if we were pumped up right now about this win and we thought this was like the greatest win ever, we would be saying that. Oh my God, right coach, the great game. Eberflus coached a great game. The defense played so well. Oh my God, the secondary was phenomenal during that 13-play stretch. We would say that if that's how we really felt. But we're always going to be honest and we're never going to bullcrap the feeling we have either during the game or after the game. And this is just one of those games you should have went in there and you should have blown the freaking doors off them. You're home. You should be pissed that you're the only win they have on their resume back in week one. They have nothing to play for. They have no talent. They're missing top guys. It was a very, very ugly game. And when we do these recaps, we recap the game. We don't recap the outcome. And we recap our emotion from watching that game and how we feel post-game in our post-game recap. Because after those Texans games, people are like, we won. Why aren't you happy? And I said, oh, I'm happy with the outcome. I'm happy with the win. But we're not evaluating the outcome. Especially, you look at the Texans, they're a 4-12 team. The Jaguars are a 1-15 team. When you beat a team like that and you evaluate the game and you look at the outcome... That's a lot different because we didn't play our best game. Like, we made plenty of mistakes against the Packers. But after that Packer game, how pumped up were we? The negatives were on the back burner because we just beat a team that's a Super Bowl favorite, the one seed in the NFC. So it's a lot different than barely scraping by. And I know division games are tougher and it's a rivalry and you know each other really well. But how come we keep coming out on the end where we have a thousand times more talent and we barely snuck by with a bad snap, or we barely snuck by with a fumble on the two-yard line, or in this game, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't bust that open, we would have given them a sixth, seventh, eighth opportunity to take a lead in the second half of this game. It's like the Colts are so much more talented, yet we keep playing these close games because the teams know each other so well. Well, if we know them so well, and we have so much more talent, then why aren't we blowing the friggin' doors off them? Because if you reverse the talent... Wouldn't the Jaguars have blown us out? Wouldn't the Texans have blown us out with two coaches that are going to get fired at the end of the year, one already an interim head coach, and the other coach, I think, if he didn't get fired tonight, he's going to get fired tomorrow morning. So that's really the the scary part because we keep getting – it's got it's not the pl- – I really don't think it's the players. Players make mistakes. Players turn the ball over. Players do dumb things. Yes, of course, missed tackles. Of course, there's execution issues with the players here and there. But overall, it just seems like we have so much more talent, raw talent, and we keep getting into these close games. Granted, we pull them out, three out of four at least, against the Texans and Jaguars. But it just seems like we keep getting outcoached in these games, and that's the part that really stings. But there was some really great stuff defensively as well, Jason. You have the six sacks. You have the strip sack by Leonard. And then, of course, just being able to get off the field in the fourth quarter. After those two annoying drives, we don't give up any more points, and we get the win. At the end of the day, we get the win, and we're heading to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and just to go off of what you were saying, going into this Buffalo game, this is this is actually both good and bad for a Colts fan. But one thing that I've noticed about this team, and I don't know if, it's, if this is from the coaching staff or, or the way they're coached or whatever – but there's not, like, with most really good teams or good teams, there's a certain standard that you, you want to play to every week, right? Mm-hmm. The Colts literally play to the level of whoever they're playing. Yes. So if they play the, they play the best team, then they're going to play, they're going to match them. Like you saw that in the Green Bay game or in the Tennessee game on the road. You saw that. But then you turn around, you see them play Jacksonville, and they play down to Jacksonville, and they play down to Houston. Then they jump up and they get a huge lead on Pittsburgh and they piss it away. I mean, it's just, to me, a great team or a Super Bowl-level team, they play to their standard at all times, and they make the teams they're playing against meet that standard. We don't do that. We play to the standard of whatever team we're playing against, and we, we squeak by. And that, to me, is not a recipe 
for a Super Bowl team or a recipe for a great football team. You've got to really establish, okay, this is our standard, okay, and we're going to play to this standard every week. It, it, it doesn't matter who we play. We're going to play Colts football, and this is the standard we're going to play to. And if we're playing Jacksonville, you know, we should go out there and play exactly like we played against Green Bay. We want the same performance. You're not going to get it every time, but you want to get that performance more often than not and play consistent, and the Colts just haven't done that. And that has been really the difference for me in the season being going from being a good season, you know, making the playoffs, to being a great season and being, you know, the division champs and having, you know, one of the top three seeds. I think that's the difference in it. We just haven't established our standard of football, and we played up to the, to the level or at the level of, good teams or really, really good teams, and we play down to the level of bad teams. And that's just not a good recipe for winning in this league consistently. No, nah, and that could all change. You go out and beat Buffalo next week, that could change. But, again, that would be us playing up to competition, which I believe we will. I think we're going to compete next week with the Bills. This is more about playing down to competition. You never complain about playing up to it. If you play a team better than you, like the Chiefs last year, you go out, you beat them, you finish the season 7-9, and nine. nobody's – complaining that you went out and you beat the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. But the playing down always stings, especially when you have the talent to play up. You look at that Bills game today. We were all Bill fans at 1 o'clock, right? Rooting for the Bills to beat the Dolphins. They put the backups in, and they continued to step on their neck. At times, Matt Barkley looked like Josh Allen. I wasn't even sure who's in that quarterback because the backups just kept that intensity offensively and defensively, and they just suffocated a good Miami Dolphins team. And outside of the Raiders game, we just haven't done that in the second half of the season, at least the last month of this season. You look at the two Texans games, double-digit leads in both games. You look at the Steelers game, 17-point lead in the second half. We lose the game. And then today, we have a 20-point lead. We're up by six in the fourth quarter. We do go on to win by 14 points, which is great, and I'm not going to complain about the result. But just allowing that team back into the game sucked, in my opinion. But you also have to take a step back, and we have to look at the big picture. And the big picture is you go back 14 months. Andrew Luck retires three weeks before the season. We go 7-9 and nine last year without him. You replace him with a 39-year-old quarterback on a one-year $25 million contract. And all of a sudden, with a couple other additions, we were back in the playoffs with actually a better record than Luck had. Granted, he was kind of injured the beginning of the season. He was still trying to get his arm back after the torn labrum surgery. We go 10-6. and six. Here we are two years later with a new quarterback, and we go 11-5 and five and make the playoffs. That's super, super impressive when you look at the overall team. And that's why I think the coaching bothers me so much because I look at the roster and I say, wow, I see 14 wins. I see 13 wins. With this roster, this is a Super Bowl caliber roster, but the play calling offensively has been a problem. And then defensively, just the 60 minute intensity has also been a problem. But again, when you look at where we were 14 months ago when Andrew Luck retired to where we are now and to be able to overcome a franchise quarterback retiring three weeks before a season and then in one offseason to be able to fix it and to be able to get back to the postseason is super impressive as an organization. And that's not just Chris Ballard. That's also Frank Reich and Matt Eberflus and this coaching staff. So everybody deserves a ton of credit for being able to regroup, regather after going 7-9 and nine last year with a third quarterback in three years for Frank Reich in this offense and being able to go out and win 11 games and make the playoffs. That is super impressive when you really think about how far this team's come since August of 2019 to now heading into January of 2021 playing playoff football. Yeah, and listen, we started off 0-1 with a horrible loss. They ended up being Jacksonville's only win. And 3-2 and overall, and Rivers had thrown four touchdowns and five interceptions. We were not playing super great football. Definitely – Offensively, at the beginning of the year, we struggled, which I think was to be expected. But I will say this. Both you and I, when the season started, thought this was a playoff team. We thought Rivers is going to be fine. He's going to be good enough. Both of us. You said 12-4. and four, I said 11-5. and five. We were both really close. And here's the thing. Rivers played really well for most of the season. And the Colts 
found a way to really win some huge games. I mean, the Green Bay game, the Tennessee game away, you know, they, they really played some great games in there. And, and that's with losing Anthony Costanzo for time. And I mean, for a time for losing Braden Smith for some games, you know, like they had to overcome a lot. And, and so, I mean, there's a lot of adversity in this, this season. We, we seem to, you know, at the worst time have like the worst injuries. I mean, we lose our two tackles before we go against TJ Watt. We lose, you know, basically our defensive line before we go against Derrick Henry, but somehow this team persevered after starting three and two and losing that Jacksonville game, you could have very easily went in the tank very easily. And if this was a Pagano team, it would have went in the tank. We would have lost the Minnesota game, the Chicago game, probably would have started the season 0 and five. But as much as I complain about Reich, he got this team ready to play after that Jacksonville game, had a huge win over Minnesota, a huge win over the Jets, a huge win over Chicago, got us out of that hole. Then we lost to Cleveland. Then we went on that run where we, we, you know, we beat Detroit, and then we beat Green Bay, and we beat Tennessee. So, yes, we're being very critical of them today, and they deserve it. And we're very critical of them all the time. And the reason is we've seen what they're capable of. If we didn't think this team was capable of greatness – or capable of being a, you know, doing something special, the criticism, we, there wouldn't be much because we, don't, we, we wouldn't have any expectations. But we've seen how good this team can be. We've seen Wright coach a great game. We've seen the defense play a great game. We've seen all these things happen. So that's why we're being so hard on this specific game. But when you take a step back and look at the, at the season, it doesn't matter. It's a success. We went to the playoffs. Now we got a chance to make noise. Rivers was a good signing. He's played, he's played great. I said at the end of the year he would throw 25 touchdowns and less than 15 interceptions. I think he threw 11 interceptions and he threw 24 touchdowns. So basically what I said would happen is what happened. Uh, you know, losing Marlon Mack sucked. Losing Paris Campbell sucked. But this team found a way, man. They found a way offensively, defensively, can't say enough good things about the Forrest Buckner and the difference that he's made in the defense. Fluce has been really, you know, pretty good most of the year. The defense, I think, has been a little more consistent than the offense has for the most part. They were much, definitely played much better early on in the season, but I think some of that was some of the offenses we were going against. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is, despite the criticism of today's game, which is valid, in my opinion, by both of us, this team overcame a ton of adversity, a bad start. I mean, a horrible start. I don't, you can't get worse than losing to the worst team in the league, their only win. And three and two, and Rivers not playing well, and people saying he's washed, and all this other stuff, and coming back, and Rivers really playing. And, and, and people forget, he's playing with a hurt toe, okay? So he's played some of his football, best football, and that does not today particularly, but other games with this hurt toe. So, I mean – this team has overcome a lot of adversity. I've said that repeatedly, but I think it, it needs to be repeated and said because they've gone through so many different things and, and still found a way, you know, to, to get into the playoffs. Yes, we needed some help, and thank you to Buffalo for that. Now we got to go to Buffalo, which is ironic, but I, I am pumped up. It, the, the game left a sour taste in my mouth, but at the end of the day, when you take a step back, I am pumped up. We're in the playoffs. Rivers was a good signing. It was all worth it. All of it was worth it. We made the playoffs. That's why you play the games. That's why we watch the games. That's what this is about. This isn't about trying to get number one draft picks or whatever. This is about winning games and going to the playoffs and, and rolling the dice at the end of the year. And, and so that's where we're at. Now we go to Buffalo. Nobody thinks we're going to have – I'm sure they'll be favored. Nobody's going to think we have a chance to win, and that's just the way I like it. Yep. And I'm glad you brought up that toe injury, Jason, because all those read options, we could have ran those with Rivers if he didn't hurt his toe. <laughs> that would be hilarious to try to. I mean, I just it'd be funny to watch one time. I think, but <laughs> would it though? Uh, uh, no, probably. Not. It would just uh, it would just be so ugly. But all jokes aside, the real reason we hold this team, like people are gonna say, "Oh, you guys are so negative. You're so negative. How could you be so negative? We're going to the playoffs." Nobody's more excited than Jason and I to go to the playoffs. We are as excited as could possibly be. We're negative, or whatever you guys want to call it, because we hold them to such a high standard. Coming into the year, I saw a playoff team, and I still see a team, talent-wise, which is capable of going out, beating Buffalo, making a run, going to Kansas City, beating Kansas City, making a run to the Super Bowl. I honestly believe that with this roster. I think this roster is good enough for all that. 
So what am I now? Am I too positive? Oh, Luke, you're too positive. What is it? Like we just need to be content with being mediocre and we can't have super high expectations and we can't hold the team to any type of standard. Like it's such a weird fine line between being too positive, too optimistic, too pessimistic, too negative. It's like, no, we have a certain standard for this team, which I haven't had in a long time since probably 2009, 2010. I haven't had this standard. I never thought any of those teams in the Pagano-Grigson era were ever capable. We went to an AFC championship. I never thought we were capable of going to New England and beating them. I think this team could go to Kansas City, could go to Buffalo. I could be wrong, could be right. And just, you know, the outcome's not always the answer either. We could go out and lose next week. It doesn't mean we're not capable of going there and winning. When you look at the 2014 AFC championship finalist team where we have that beautiful banner to remind us that we lost by what 48 points or whatever it was 35 points to the Patriots that (laughs) team not only did they not go there and win that team was incapable of winning if we played them 10 times we'll lose 11 times that's how outmanned we were when we played those Patriot teams this team no matter what happens next week we're capable of going there we play the Bills 10 times I don't care if we lose by 20 next week. If we played them 10 times, I believe we would win a handful of those times. Same thing with Kansas City. Same thing with Baltimore. Same thing with Pittsburgh. I think we're just as good as anybody in the AFC. Doesn't mean we're going to make a run, win three in a row, go to a Super Bowl, but I do think we're capable of it, unlike any of those teams in the Griggs and Pagano era. Now, the only time with Luck I thought we were capable, and Luck, of course, himself was always capable, he just never had the teams, would have been 2018 with Reich and Ballard. First year of Reich, but it was just such a fresh year. Like You had a new coach, you had a lot of new players, you had a ton of new guys on defense, Leonard was a rookie, Nelson was a rookie, Frank Reich technically was a rookie, and I just, you know, that was... It sucked that Luck retired after that year, but you would really have to go back to 2008, 9, 10, 9 specifically, where I felt this good about a Colts team. And that's why we hold them to the standard we hold them to, because there's so much freaking talent and they should be held to a high standard. And honestly, if you're super positive and you pat a team on the back when they barely beat a 4-11 team or a 4-12 team or a 1-15 team and they split with that 1-15 team, then I actually think that you're the crazy. Like, I think that person is, you know, I don't even want to go into this conversation, but when people say, oh, you're not a real fan because you're too negative – Well, I'm not saying anybody's not a fan, but the super, super positive person that thinks everything is always sunshine and rainbows, I think they're the real delusional one or they're the one that doesn't think their team's that good. Because if your team's that good and you think they could win a Super Bowl, why are you hyping up a win against a subpar team or in this case a trash team like the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, listen, the bottom line is with with this team is we see the talent. They, they've got talent all over the field, probably the most talent, like Luke said, since 2009. And so we hold, we hold them to you know, a high standard. And, and sometimes they're going to meet it, sometimes they're not. But I will tell you this, everything that's happened up to this point now doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter that the Bills have won all those games and they've got the home. None of that crap matters. What matters now is who plays the best in, in this game coming up. That's what matters. None of the stuff previous to Jacksonville game, the Jacksonville loss, the get you know, the way we play today, none of it matters. They need to put that out of their mind and focus on this, on this Bills game because they, I still believe, I still believe this wholeheartedly, that this team is capable of beating any of these teams, and that includes Kansas City and Buffalo. I think this team is capable of going to both of those places and winning, but they're going to have to play up to their standard not the, and, and not play like they did today. They're going to have to play a hell of a lot better. They can't drop passes. They can't turn the ball over. They can't get penalties on touchdowns. They can't, I mean, they just, they can't give up 13 straight completions. They can't, I mean, they've got to, they've got to buckle down, focus, and come out ready to play in this game against Buffalo. This, this, because that's what matters. All the stuff that's previous to this, this moment right now doesn't matter anymore. We're in the tournament. That's all that matters. One of the seven teams. Now we just got to go out there and play and play our game, do what we do best. I think if we run the ball and stick to that and play that type of game, we can beat anybody. But that starts with, with our running game, our offensive line, and 
and just playing Colts football. Colts football is not turning the ball over. You know, taking what the defense gives us, playing good, fundamental, sound defense, running to the ball, forcing turnovers. That's Colts football. We haven't been playing that the last couple of weeks. We played it in the first part of the, the Pittsburgh game and the first part of the Jacksonville game. Well, we need to get that for 60 minutes. And I still think they're capable of it. I really believe that. Maybe I'm nuts, but I believe they're capable of it. I think you, I, I think they're, they're very capable of going into Buffalo and winning. It's not going to be easy, but I definitely think it's possible. Yep. Now let's get into our For the Culture player of the game. Not plural this week. We'll pick the same guy because I really think you could only pick one guy. Obviously, a lot of guys had a hand in this victory, but there's one For the Culture player of the game, and it's Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I was gonna actually give the I was gonna give the the offensive line some love, but but really it was it was it is Jonathan Taylor. I mean he's outstanding. Just I mean an unbelievable game, best game in Indianapolis Colts history as far as rushing totals go. And uh, he was he was the difference in the game. Broke long runs, short runs. Ta- he broke tackles. He held on to the ball, no fumbles. I, I do think it's important to give the offensive line some credit. That was actually gonna be my my for the culture player of the game if you pick Taylor. I was going to pick the all whole offensive line because he doesn't get those yards without our offensive line dominating, and I thought they were outstanding, and I think they deserve credit, all five of those guys. But, yeah, Jonathan Taylor was uh, special today. This is why he was drafted. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the pick. Everybody knows that, but this is what he's capable of. He's a special player. Obviously, he's he's gotten so much better throughout the season. I don't think I've seen a guy make a jump like this since I've been watching football. He's just – he looks like a totally different guy to me. I mean, just – unbelievable uh game just uh i mean i'm I'm really speechless dude he was he was that good today <laughs> he was insane man it's so crazy because you look at jonathan taylor's season trajectory and he started the season and this was insane at the time but he started the season with trent richardson comparisons he's ending the season with edrin james comparisons what a roller coaster it has been for Jonathan Taylor, but the end of the ride has been fun as you know what, and it's only going to get better. He's going to enter the year next year as one of the top two to five running backs in football behind only Derrick Henry and maybe one or two other guys. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going second in all fantasy drafts next year because he's a special talent, and you couldn't ask for a better offensive line, especially when healthy, which they weren't today, to play behind. And you look at 253 yards rushing, two touchdowns, averaging 8.4 yards per carry. In the last quarter of the season, he must have had, I would say, three, maybe four games averaging over seven yards per carry. He's just been insane. And we said it in the after the Green Bay game. After that Packers game, we said the light bulb went off. And it's so crazy because when we said that, it could have just been a game where he reverts back to what he was in the beginning of the season after that. He only had 400 and change after week 10. And here he is sitting up over 1,100 yards on the season. The second half of the year, the the final quarter, the final four to six games for Taylor has been otherworldly. He's been that good. And today he breaks the franchise record. And you're not talking about some random franchise. You're talking about the Indianapolis Colts, where you had Edron James, Hall of Famer. You had Eric Dickerson put up a great year, Hall of Famer. You had Marshall Folk, Hall of Famer. And now you have Jonathan Taylor, who breaks the single-game rushing record in franchise history. And you had a number of Hall of Fame running backs come through this organization. So just an incredible game. And then all-time, it was the ninth single-game rushing record in NFL history. So this transcends being a rookie. This was an all-time great performance by Jonathan Taylor and then on top of it he's only in his rookie season so he's going to get better next year and he's really taken that baton from Marlon Mack didn't look great early on but damn has he looked good the last month plus of this season since that Packers game week 11 missed the second Titans game unfortunately with the COVID positive test or the contact tracing to his girlfriend. And then since that, weeks 13 through 17, he's been the second best running back in football, only behind Derrick Henry. So an incredible job. Of course, credit to the offensive line. Buckner was big. Leonard was big. Moore was big. 
and the Colts get it done, 28-14, to and we are heading to the postseason in what has been a pretty crazy year. You don't have a preseason. You have an old 38-year-old quarterback that the entire world is doubting. You win 11 games. You win the most games we've won since 2014, which is going back now to 2014. Luck's third year in the league. We're back to 11-5. We're back to the playoffs. We have the first ever seventh seed in the AFC. And although we might sound negative at times, this is all about the growth and the potential of this franchise. And we know how good this team is capable of being because we've seen it at times this year. And now we head into Buffalo and nobody's going to give the Colts the time of day in Buffalo. And it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a tough game. You're going up against a great quarterback, a good coach, good team, great receiver and digs. But I think the Colts have a chance to go in there and, and make some noise. And that's why we hold them to such a high standard because we believe that this team is capable of going anywhere and beating anybody any given Sunday. And that will be the opportunity we see next week because we will not be sitting on our couches like the Miami Dolphins and a majority of the league next week, Wild Card weekend, when we actually have a 17th game on the schedule. So it's been a crazy year. But we had 16 meaningful games. We had 16 games where we were pumped up for Colts football on Sunday morning. We went to sleep with butterflies in our stomach on Saturday night. That apathy that we talked about at the end of the Griggs and Pagano era is gone. We have meaningful football again. And now we're heading back to the postseason for the second time in three years, winning more games than we did in 2018 with Andrew Luck, 11-5. And, and that's a really nice record. There's been some ups and downs, but 11-5, and five, is a really, really nice record. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to piggyback off what you're saying, I really I really think this team's gonna go into Buffalo and play well. Maybe I'm nuts, but I just they they always seem to play up to their competition and then when people don't think they have a chance, me included, they always seem to come out and play well and play inspired. So man, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Buffalo wasn't the team I really wanted to play. I'm not super excited about that matchup. But, hey, you play who you play. You get in and you play who you play. You can't – I mean, especially when you're depend, you are depended on them to get you in the playoffs. I mean, you just got to go out there and play. So, um, you know, I, I would have loved to have played uh, the, the Titans or the, or the Steelers because I just – we owe both of them. But, uh, you know, if we go out and do what we're supposed to do, maybe we see those teams down the line. So, uh, really, really excited about the, 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 the game next week. I'm happy – uh, we were able to to persevere through this season and make the playoffs when nobody really thought we were a playoff caliber team. Most people thought we were trash at the beginning of the year. I mean, I saw a lot of people predicting seven and nine, you know, purgatory type stuff, eight and eight at best. And and Luke and I were not one of those groups of people though. We he you know we both thought they were very capable of winning the division, and I and both of us had to make in the playoffs. So. For as pessimistic as you guys want to say we are, we believed in them from the jump. From yeah. the jump. We Which is the crazy the... thing to me. People mistake negative for high expectations. We hold them to a right. high standard. There's a different, you know, there's certain parents that might hang a 75 on the refrigerator. There's other parents that might not hang anything under a 90. There might be some parents that only hang 100s. There's different parents that hold their kids to different standards, and you might hold different kids to different standards. You might have one kid who's a valedictorian, and you might have another kid who needs summer school, and that's okay. I mean, we've seen plenty of Colts teams that we held to lower standards, and every team kind of comes into different seasons and different situations. In 2018, our expectations weren't as high. We had luck, so we knew luck would carry us. So it was a little bit different. But with that team, you have the first-year coach. You have a lot of first-year players, a lot of youth on the defensive side of the ball. This team, we held to a super, super high standard. And we could say what we want about Jason making predictions on Thursdays and Fridays, but Jason, you're pretty damn good in April because you go back to April, you went 14 and two in your predictions in April and you nailed the record at 11 and five. You nailed that they're going to the playoffs. And I think everything we said about Phillip Rivers in March was justified. And I actually think at times he was better than I, at least, I don't know about you. I don't want to speak for you, but he's, he was better at times than I could have ever imagined. Although I always wanted him and I wanted to sign him and I wanted to make that move. There were times this year where I was like, geez, I did not know he had that in him anymore. And he still does. And also shout out to Philip Rivers, passing Dan Marino. He tied him last week, passing Dan Marino 
421 passing touchdowns for Phillip Rivers, now fifth all time. And for everybody that wants to say he's a turnover machine, Brett Favre is fourth all time in touchdowns, so one spot ahead of Phillip Rivers, and he's first in interceptions. Phillip Rivers, fifth all time in touchdowns, 25th in interceptions. So it's funny how the narratives work with certain guys, but Phillip Rivers has put together a Hall of Fame career now passing the great Dan Marino in touchdown passes. Of course, different era, different rules, and all of that. And a long career for Philip Rivers with his insane durability. But that's also a credit to Philip Rivers taking great care of his body and being tough as nails, playing through multiple injuries throughout the course of his career, being available. The best ability is availability, being available to make all these starts, throw all these passes, throw all these touchdowns. So just a shout out to Philip Rivers adding to his Hall of Fame resume as the Colts get the win, 28-14. And we're heading to the postseason January full today. I guess technically it was a January game, so everybody played a little bit of January football. But we have more January football next week in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills. Check the weather report on that one because you never know. In Buffalo, you could get two, three, four, five, six feet of snow when you play the Buffalo Bills. So we'll keep an eye on the weather report throughout the course of the week. And honestly, a little bit of snow wouldn't hurt the Colts when you look at this team. It's not your typical dome team when you look at the offensive line and the running game and how we've been running the ball the last few weeks, at least since week 11 against the Packers, because you might go to Buffalo and you might beat them at their own game because they have more of a passing attack offensively. We have more of a rushing attack offensively that could actually play into the Colts hands so we'll see about that we'll keep an eye on that and we'll be back on Friday with the game preview a playoff game preview for the Colts which should be fun that's my man Jason Spears I'm your host Luke Diamond the Colts are playoff bound and we'll be back on Friday with the Colts Bills game preview right here on the For the Culture Podcast